0: you Church. It's so good to be here with you. I want to just um, welcome those who are visiting us online, even from Cabo, Mexico, and of course our dungeon dwellers downstairs, right? They're welcome, aren't they? Shouldn't we welcome them anyways? It's nice to be with you all. Uh, Before we get started, uh, Sue and I just wanted to express our appreciation to you We've been here now for two months and um, already, excuse me, already feel at home. And uh, it's just amazing how the Lord works all of that out, right? How he settles us in and we've just been so enjoying uh, getting to know most of you. And I'll let you figure out who the most are and who's not in that category. You can probably uh, have an idea of some of those people yourself, right? (laughs) But we have just... um, had such a blast uh, spending time together in hospitality and fellowship groups and all of that kind of stuff. And I told Mark the other day, I said, hey, uh, some of these, though, you should have warned me about before I got here. I might have changed my mind here. But, anyways, thank you so much. Uh, we just are loving it and looking forward to um, many years together and trusting the Lord to grow us all as He takes us down life's journey. <clears throat> We're going to be starting a, a, a new series here today. And uh, we're going to be looking at um, some prayers that Paul records in Scripture. And, and what we're wanting to do with those is to see out of those what kind of things are important for us. Uh, for me, coming here in the role of discipleship and, and, and thinking about that whole concept for us as a fellowship, um, <clears throat> I would say that there are some things that, that uh, for us... We want to see happening in our own lives and then as we are impacting other people in regards to a discipleship mentoring kind of a a relationship that we want to see in their lives as well and I, I find them as I talk with a lot of people that There are things that we kind of pursue but they are maybe what i would call secondary they're not the first things to pursue they're there there's some foundational things that need to be put in place in our own lives and so we want to spend the next three sundays talking about those uh those prayers of paul's at least three of those prayers and and dive into those and see now what did he pray about for those believers what was important to him that we might be able to say hey that Lord, we're going to trust you for that in our lives, and we're going to trust you to use that um, through us in other people's lives as well. But before we get to those, today I I need to lay a foundation for you. I need to make sure that you and I are on the same page, and some of the things that I'll be talking about today, probably any time that I get a chance to teach, I'm going to be bringing them up. So we might as well get this first one out of the way, so to speak, and get on the same page, all right? So that's what I'm hoping to do. I I mentioned that I was greeting someone from Cabo because um, there's a couple down there right now who are listening and they have had a huge part in Sue and I's life. They've been mentors and disciples as as friends of ours for probably 30 some years now. And uh, some of the things that I want to share with you today, he was the first one to help me to understand these things. And it was uh, eye-opening for me. It was something that I would say, uh, what we're going to talk about, I can't stress enough to you the value and importance that, that this is for us. We're going to talk about something that's very simple you've probably actually heard all of the um, components of it if you want to call them that um, but maybe with a new person someone with a new voice someone talking about it in a just a little different way maybe the lord will just help make some of those connections for us a little bit stronger if you want to turn with me please turn to second kings chapter 5 i'll <clears throat> put this up here for you too if you don't have your bibles with you you're welcome to look on the screen if you have them together um, want to read here from 2nd Kings chapter 5. Now before we dig into this, I, um, I just want to set the stage for you, okay? I just want to uh, <clears throat> make sure, because we're not, we don't have time to read it all, but the setting of this chapter where we're going to be talking about, there are a couple uh, individuals. There's a guy named Naaman. He's a Syrian. <clears throat> He's an enemy of the nation of Israel. His people, have actually been raiding into Israel, and they have been winning at times, and there's a little girl who now is a slave in his house. We don't know her name. We don't know anything about her. We don't know if her mom and dad were killed in that raid. We don't know if her mom and dad are weeping because they've lost their child. We don't know any of those things. But Naaman, who's the captain of the king's army, he's the biggest dog, okay, He has this little slave girl, and he also has leprosy. I don't know if you've ever looked at leprosy. You can Google it if you want. You can see some pictures of it. It's pretty nasty. We'll talk maybe a little bit about that later on. But she says to him, Oh, oh, I wish you would go back to my home country. There's a prophet of God back there who could heal you. Now, I don't know how that rings in your own mind, But when I think of this, I'm thinking, are you nuts? You're going to actually listen to this little girl who tells you some fairy tale story, and now you're going to do something about it? But he does. He actually goes to the king. He says, this is what the girl said. The king literally writes out a letter to the king of Israel, who they're enemies with, right? Writes him a letter, sends him there, and says, hey, heal my servant. And the king of Israel reads this and he's looking at this going, what, what, what is this? He's just trying to set me up for more war. <laughs> Who can heal him? Oh, the man of God, his name was Elisha. He hears about it. He says, hey, you send him to me. Why? Because we want him to know that there's a God in Israel. And so he comes. And that's where we pick up this story. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9. Let's pick it up there. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house, and Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Okay? So can you picture that in your mind? He's, he's arrived, it's probably pretty um, desert-y, pretty dusty, had a long journey, gets there, and he has an expectation. That's what he's telling us right there, Right? <clears throat> Uh, Sorry, we'll get to that. (laughs) Jumping ahead. But what happened is, I'll I'll tell you, he had an expectation. Because maybe of the way that he had been living his life as the biggest dog in the army, right? Expecting that soldiers were going to obey him and do exactly what he wanted them to do and getting his way. He thought that Elisha was going to come out. Instead, Elisha sends a messenger to him gives him direction, tells him what to do. But look what happens then as a result of that. Nahum became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana and the far part, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Now, there's a spiritual principle that's found in those verses right there. I don't know if you caught it or not. I don't know if you picked it up or not. Let me tell you what that spiritual principle is. That principle is this. That my thinking determines my attitude, which then determines my actions. Let me repeat that for you. My thinking... Okay? What I mean by that is, is what I'm allowing to go on in my mind. What I'm allowing to churn over and over. All kinds of input is coming my way, and I begin to maul that. I begin to think about that. <clears throat> my thinking, then, is ultimately going to determine the attitude that I take. And what I mean by that is, is the settled conclusion of my mind, where, where it lands. We call that an attitude. Right? When we have kids, we say, hey, deal with your attitude. You've got a tune there, man. Right, That kind of terms. But our thinking then affects that attitude, which guess what? It affects our actions. It determines that. If, if you're looking at actions, they can tell you something about your thinking. We'll talk about this in a minute, too. Did you catch that principle when we, when we went through there? I didn't catch that either. My good friend Bill, he's the one who helped me to understand. Hey, Tim, you see those things that you're doing there? You're doing that because of some thinking that you have, and those particular ones that he was pointing out were not good. They were not godly. So he was helping me by, by, by showing me what I was doing. He was helping me back up, backtrack in my mind, all the way back to my thinking. <clears throat> you see if we don't get this if we don't understand this then 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 we begin to only deal with those things that are of the action and and largely i would submit to you that in christendom people are concerned about that but god is concerned about our thinking now let's just break this down here real quick just to show you so i can just point it out for you if you didn't catch it verse eleven look there Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. He's actually telling us what he's thinking. We're not guessing anymore, right? We know. He's told us what that is. Can you see? Oh, this is what I thought. I'll show up. I'll knock on the door. He'll come out and he'll say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Right? Oh, wave his hand over the place. right who doesn't want that who doesn't want that from the purpose of of the healing of leprosy man if you're a leper you want to be clean you want to be healed you know what else i find i don't like doing the work i would much rather the poof happen there it is god that's taken care of i don't have any problem with that anymore that's not how it works do you see his thinking there Indeed, I said to myself, this is what it's going to be like. So his thinking then is moving next to an attitude. And there it is again in verse 11. He became furious. He's upset. That thinking, because there was an expectation of something that would happen, and when that didn't happen, he got mad about it. He got angry. That's a settled conclusion of the mind. I don't know about you, but sometimes the movement from that thinking to that attitude is that fast for me. Sometimes it happens so quickly. In fact, when I was beginning to learn some of this principle, I didn't actually recognize what was happening there. I just knew I was angry, but I didn't understand that there was thinking because sometimes it was happening so quickly the gap between them I just wasn't discerning them other times we maul that we churn that one and then it settles down finally into that attitude and we can see some of that a little bit stronger here he gets furious he's telling us what his thinking is and now we find out well this is what it settled into and if you follow it further verse 11 and verse 12 both tell us verse 11 and he went away there's the action. Verse 12 says this, tells us that he turned and he went away in wrath. He's angry. I'm out of here. I'm gone. Do you see the principle? You understand what I'm talking about then with this? You with me? All right. A very simple one, but a very profound one at the same time. I'm submitting to you one of the most profound things for us as believers. Because if we don't understand this, we are trusting God or looking for things to change in our lives in the wrong place. We're looking in the wrong place. Now, I want to I drive this point home a little bit for you. Think about this. Naaman's a leper. He lives in an area where leprosy was known. He would have understood what was coming his way. If you ever look up any of this kind of stuff, you will find that fingers begin to rot away. Toes begin to rot away. Noses begin to rot, like the appendages of our body. These people would be shunned. There was a fear that they would be contagious, and so they would be shunned. They would have no means of feeding themselves, no means of, of, um, of uh, taking care of their, of their everyday needs, no no family who would be around them, who could give them a hug or a touch of any kind. They knew that they were headed for a gross death all alone. That's what this man had in front of him. He was angry, and he was prepared to walk away from the only thing that would heal him. you realize that? It's right in front of him. He's told, you just go down to the Jordan and you put yourself in there seven times, and when that's done, you will be healed. And because he had wrong thinking, he was going to turn his back on that. Have you ever witnessed to somebody? Have you ever talked to somebody about salvation only to have them turn their back on that to walk away? The gospel is presented to them. you clearly communicated that truth to them. And what do they do? They say no to that, and they walk away. Right? There it is. The truth is in front of them, but their thinking is wrong. I remember one time I was witnessing to this guy, and he had... uh, Uh, on some army fatigues, and he had a a demeanor about him that that made me wonder what his background was, where where he had come from. Because as I talked to him, he told me, he said, Tim, you, you don't know how bad I am. You don't know how wicked I am. You don't understand. Like, that can't be for me. If you knew this about me, then you would realize that's not for me. And I'm telling him, oh, dude, you don't understand. This is for you. This is good news for you, right? at least in in that encounter with him for me he walked away and I have no connection with him since then and I have no knowledge whether he ever put his trust in the Lord or not but the truth was staring him straight in the face and because of wrong thinking he said no now you and I do the exact same thing so before we throw a rock too far let's just remind ourselves Oh, we know that there are times that we've made decisions based on wrong thinking, but I think sometimes we fail to realize how much it permeates our life. I think we fail to realize how often our thinking is skewed. It's different than what God has to say. And that's really the important point right there. It's what God has to say. He's the one who determines what is right thinking and what is wrong thinking. So Naaman is prepared to walk away, and he's prepared to live with the consequences of that leprosy, all because something's going wrong here. Now, I want you to know here in this, in this, uh, this principle of my thinking, it determines my attitude, which then determines my action, that God often uses my actions to help me to magnify what my thinking is. In other words, God is wanting to use what I do to help me to show, to, to, to put it into proper perspective, well, Tim, this is where your thinking is at. He's, he's using that. You see, sometimes I don't always know what my thinking is. Have you ever been that way? Sometimes I'll, be, uh, I'll notice that my wife is maybe emotional and struggling with something, and I'll say, uh, uh, what's wrong? And she'll say, I don't know. <laughs> and as a husband, I'd be like, well, I don't know either. So how am I supposed to help, right? Like, so we're both struggling trying to figure out what, like, what, what, what's going on here. Because if all we ever do is deal with the a- actions, we can put up a facade. We, we, can, we can put up a, this is how I look, right? And everybody will think that way about me. And I'll think that way about me too. But we'll miss... The real issue so god uses these actions of ours many many times it's it's another little principle of life to help us to turn and look and see hey there's something else going on for me it was a it was a process it was like i I could get mad right I, i could hear my voice i could feel the strain in my neck all those things. Maybe I actually lashed out at somebody. Maybe there was some physical altercation. But that would cause me, like, hey, whoa, wait a minute. We got an attitude. But it's not good just to stop there. Yes, I'm angry. Of course I'm angry. You did this to me, right? You stole the ball from me. Whatever the case was, the big things in life. But if I just stop there, I'm only halfway. I've got to keep going. Wait a minute. Why do I have this attitude of anger? Well, it's because there's some thinking. That's where God really wants to deal with us. If we're going to disciple people, and if we're going to be discipled, that's where we need to be dealing life with, right? Well, there's hope. God wants to change us. I'm sure you're familiar with this verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm just picking this verse As an example to you of there's tons of verses in Scripture that point us to this concept of our thinking. There's tons of verses that talk about mind, imagination, thought, thinking, beholding. Do you realize that the song that we just sang today Come and behold Him. That phrase comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, which tells us in that passage, it actually tells us that as we behold Him, we are going to be changed into His likeness. That's what it actually says to us there. It doesn't say, as I do, I'm going to be changed into His likeness. It says, as I behold Him. That's a thinking word. You don't see Him today. We can't put him up on the screen. He's not here on this planet. You don't see him. So guess what? As you open the word of God, as the spirit of God begins to reveal him to you, you're beholding him. You're looking at him. You're seeing him. It's in the mind's eye is where that's at. And as, as that continues on, guess what? We begin to change. Our attitudes begin to line up with his, and guess what then happens? Our actions. But we get too concerned about this portion, and not at all seems like concerned about this. And I'm saying this needs to become the priority for us. And as we get into these prayers of Paul, this is going to really become important as we walk through those kinds of things. But there's hope. That word transformed actually means that there's a, there's a change going on, but the change that's going on is inward-outward. In other words, it's because of what he's already done in us. So there's a transformation as opposed to, he says, don't be conformed to this world, right? That's an outward pressure placed upon us in order to be, to act in a certain way. We do this sometimes inadvertently within ourselves as a family. Sometimes we do this intentionally. Well, well, a good Christian wouldn't do that, right? We would say things like that. Why? Because we're trying to get this this outward conformity to how things ought to be. Instead of, there's a root issue way down here, it's called my thinking. That's where we need to deal with. And God, in His grace, knows all of that. So there's hope for us. As the Spirit of God begins to work in our lives and teach us these things, we can see a change. Let me show you an example of this. Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 5. We've left the story where Naaman is ticked off. I'm out of here. I'm going back. Why would I go down into this river? My own rivers are much better than this. Why would I do this? Wrong thinking, sees wrong attitude, Sees wrong action. Ah. It tells us in verse 13, his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? Somebody came along. I think that term, my father, is a bit of a respectful, right? Like, Like, it probably had a bit of a tone to it, like, uh, um, uh, sir, uh, could, could I suggest something here? Just like, who wants to go walking into the boss when the boss is angry, right? But somebody had the guts to say, "Excuse me, can I just hello, just a, maybe a suggestion here?" Like if he would have asked you to to go and kill a bunch of people, cut off their right ear, and bring them back as proof that you were sincere about this, right? then he's going to heal you. If he would have asked you to do that, you'd have said, 100 people, I'll bring you 200. right? Who cares about this? I'm a mighty man. I'm a big dog. So what's the difference if he just says, well, go and wash. Be clean. You and I do this all the time, right? You've already taken a shower this morning or a bath. You've already probably washed your hands once or twice. You may have been thinking about the person you just shook hands with and need to go wash your hands again. Like, like, we do this all the time. It's not that big of a deal, is it? It's not that big of a deal. And that's what they implored him to. Now you'll notice that they couldn't do it for him. All they could do was advocate for a change of thinking. And that's where discipleship comes into play. See, I can't make a decision for you, and you can't make it for me. I couldn't make the decision for that guy that I was witnessing to. As much as I would have loved to, like just grab him by the arm and twist it up, his de- say, okay, you will, you will trust God. That's not going to happen, is it? Oh, he might even say all the right words. But where is his heart? Is he actually trusting God for those things? no. So they come beside him and they, and they ask him this and now it's not so clear for us but we see the same principle. Verse 14. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. Woo-hoo! Can you imagine the moment there? Like, like one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven! And it says his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. I got in trouble for my son last night about how I talked about this one. <laughs> I love it. I, we, we have nine grandkids. And one of the things that I love is, uh, well, my wife, who's a labor and delivery nurse, she loves being there. I don't like being there. But I like afterwards. Okay, I like when the baby gets a little bit cleaned off. And I like then when they bring that baby to me. And one of the things I like is that I love to smell their skin. I love the softness of them. Ben thinks that I'm a creeper with Joe Biden or something like that. But I'm not trying to get political. I'm just saying I got to watch out what I say. But you know what I'm talking about? Okay, you know what else I love? This is terrible. I love their little backsides. I love how they're all wrinkly and pruney, right? Is your mind going down the right path that I want you to go down? Restored! Skin like a little baby, like a little child. That's, I wonder if his servants, oh, oh man, if they smelled his skin, probably not. They probably had already risked as much as they could risk with him. Can you imagine this? Why? All because of right thinking. He was prepared to live in leprosy for the rest of his life because of wrong thinking, but somebody graciously comes alongside and says, can I suggest to you a different way of thinking? And he responds. That's a teachable heart, is what that is. That's someone who's, who's willing to be um, embraced with some different truth and go, you know what, I'll, I'll give that some thought. <clears throat> When we go into these passages that Paul is going to pray about over the next three weeks, <clears throat> excuse me, you may find out that some of your thinking is wrong. What are you going to do about that? Are you going to turn and walk away in a rage? Probably not, because it's not the decorum that you want to follow here in this building. But it might be happening in your heart. <clears throat> We're going to be faced with some things that we have to make some decisions on. We're going to be faced with some things that we're going to have to weigh out. The world is full of this. Our thinking, what God would have us to to embrace, versus our own personal thinking, versus what the world says our thinking should be like, we're going to be challenged by that. Let me give you an example of this real quick. I was reading the other day in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3, where it says there in verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, right? for this is right. It goes on to say that that's profitable for them. Our world at times says that no, children don't have to obey. That that's actually not good for them. And some of us have been raised in a family where, where, where there was abuse and, and heartache in that family. And so we ourselves are going to be challenged with that. How are we going to handle that ourselves? But God says, children, obey your parents. That's what you need to be thinking, that it is right to do that. If I as a parent say, mm, I don't buy into that, I buy into this, It'll take me a number of years down the road, but sooner or later we'll begin to see some of the ramifications of that, right? And sometimes, people, it's gone down a road so far, it's not ever insurmountable. It's not ever that we can't turn back. But I'll tell you, it brings a lot of scars with it, doesn't it? The prodigal son would be an example of this. Wrong thinking, guess where that led him? One day he's slopping the hogs. And it says he comes to himself and he realizes, what in the world am I doing? My dad's got places. His servants are eating better than I'm eating. I, I'm going back. And this is what I'm going to say. Why? Because his thinking had changed. There were scars, though, that came with that. So we're going to also be in that same challenge. We're going to have to be deciding, too, as we look at some of these verses over the next three weeks, we're going to have to be wherever, wherever that shows up, and it says, hey, now, now, wait a minute, this is different than what I do. okay? And the reason I'm saying that is, again, because th- what I do is going to become a magnifier of what I think. right? So when we go through those verses and we see some of that, we need to say, now, Lord, is that characteristic in my life? Is that, is that showing up in my life? Because here's what I find, anyways, here in North America. We have this weird ability to learn something and think that we know it. Do you know what I'm talking about with that? We we get information into our heads. We can be believers who can tell you chapter and verse of what the Word of God says about something. But the actual living of it out is oftentimes neglected. So then what we do is we, we begin to focus on those things. And we, and we want to we fix those things, so that at least we put up that facade. But I'll tell you, that's a performance-oriented mindset, is what that is. That, that, that is, I'm interested in performing, and by me performing, I get a good grade on it. Our whole, our whole school system is based on this. The, the meritocracy that we live in as a culture. What's more is is living in this actually brings about deception, is what it does. My heart's deceived. Well, it's no surprise the Word of God already tells me that my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it, right? So so it just fits in with with what my culture says is right. And so if I can put up a facade here, I at least can deceive you, and oftentimes I end up deceiving myself too. God who loves us and cares for us and made us And understands this principle wants us to walk backwards because this is what he wants to expose this is my thinking Tim this is what your thinking is and that's why you're acting the way that you're acting now I want to give you just a real quick sideline here just a little free food I call it not only are my actions a magnifier of what my thinking is they help me to see some of that but God has also given us this wonderful thing called feelings or emotions. And they do the exact same thing. I love this. I, um, I would consider myself by personality not to be a very emotional person. Truth of the matter is, is what I mean by that is I don't cry a lot. I actually get pretty emotional. Uh, I can get pretty wound up over things. Sometimes I can get angry over things. That's an emotion, right? Or it has has emotional aspect to it our feelings often not always not every time but pretty much they often are controlled by our thinking you see when I'm thinking angrily when my wife says something that I think is disrespectful because that's a big thing for us guys right when I interpret what she says, it doesn't matter whether it is disrespectful or not. When she says something and I think it is, guess what? I get angry, there's the attitude, but I also feel it. I feel that. So there are times when we'll talk about that. Oh dear, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, you didn't? Oh, well, you know, and things start settling down, but I can still feel it inside, right? Even though... We've, we've gotten that corrected as far as, oh, that wasn't that way. Oh, so now my thinking can get right. My feelings have been impacted by that. God uses them to help me to understand what my thinking is. Because, they're, again, they're, they're part of what I'll call the tangibles. My actions over here and my feelings are part of the tangibles that help me to realize, oh, there's a thinking problem. I might not know exactly what the thinking problem is, but it's there, and I can go look for that. So they help me in this. <clears throat> I want to um, show you some verses here real quick. As our time's going. I want to show you some verses that the Word of God speaks of, that help me to go back into this whole mindset of thinking. What is it that God wants to address here? If I've, if I've hooked you on the, on the principle, let's look real quick, because we're not going to take time as we go through our series to do this, but you can do this on your own, to, to walk into the Word of God and, and get your own little um, concordance out and find, well, where is the word thought, for example? Where does it show up in a number of places? And where is the word mind and all that? Let me just whet your appetite on some of these. The first one... <clears throat> He says in, let me get my references here for us and get my eyeballs out. Romans chapter 7, he says this, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Did did you notice where the battle is occurring? Did you see where he said, warring against the law of my mind? That's where it's happening. That's where the struggle is occurring for us. So we need to understand that principle. Uh, uh, The Word of God says that we we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? That's not where our warfare is at. But if we don't understand that, we think that anybody who's resisting us, anybody who's against us, they're the enemy. And we'll treat them as such, and we'll engage with them in that way, and our actions will show it. But if we understand, wait a minute, that's not where the battle is going on. It's not this person. That's not where the battle is going on. Then I fight right. Here's another one. <clears> 2 <throat> Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Oh, sorry, I moved you ahead here. Are we jumping past this? <laughs> there we are. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Do you see the thought words there? Do you see what we're talking about? Casting down arguments. Guess what that is? That's happening in the mind. Well, wait a minute. I don't think God said that. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, no, he didn't. Well, where do we need to go to find that out? Right here, right? Right here. Did you catch, back to to, to Naaman, did you catch that what they implored him to do was the word of God? God, through the prophet Elisha, had said, here's what you need to do. You need to go down into that river and bathe, and you'll come out clean. That was the word of God. So they took him to what God said. And that's important for us, because as we weigh this stuff out, we have to go to what does the Word of God have to say about that? He's the one who determines what is right thinking and what is wrong thinking. And he says, in everything, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, where do we get this knowledge of God? Right here in his Word, right? We find out things about him... And then as we live life with Him, we we, we not only understand that intellectually, but we begin to understand that experientially as well. God says that He's a loving God. We learn that from His Word, but we also learn it by the way that He lives with us. The way that He interacts with us. And so those two things are combining, and now we can say, I know that God loves me. That's a verse we're going to look at. Paul's going to actually pray that we would know the love of God. Is it possible to know the love of God? Evidently, based on what he's praying, do we know it? Do we understand it? And I'm not just talking about intellectually. So he says, against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What does that mean? What is he referring to? How do I bring a thought into captivity? Oh, I thought they just kind of come and go and I'm I'm just a slave to my thinking. No, not at all. I can actually bring that thought into captivity. Lord, does this line up with what you say? No, it doesn't. I'm going to let that one go. Oh, that one does? Oh, I'm going to embrace that one, right? Bringing it into captivity. Here's another one. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I already uh, uh, read some of this, but here's the two verses together. Uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Something has to be happening up here for that transformation to occur. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Soberly would be like right thinking about that. Healthy thinking about that. Here's another one. Philippians 2, five. let this mind... There it is, you see it? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And if you know the context of that, he's talking about humility. And as we study out the word humility, guess what we find? In the English it says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. But if we look into the details of that, we find out it's in the passive meaning, permit yourself to be humbled. A proud person, which is you and I, can't humble ourselves. We can just yield ourselves to what the Lord's doing, right? It's his work. He's the one who's 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 bringing this about. So that's why you have that little word let right there. That's what I call a choice word. Let this mind. You choose to allow it or not. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Here's another one. Finally brethren, also found in Philippians, finally brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That's part of bringing those thoughts into captivity. Is it true? There's one of them. Whatever things are true. Is this true? Is this thought true? No, it's not. Then it's not for me. It's true? Oh, then I'm going to hang on to that. I'm going, to, I'm going to plant myself on this then. Think on these things. Meditate on these things, he says. I have allowed my mind to go down paths that are not even true. I have built those things up so big in my own mind that when something finally like comes out, it's like, boom, where did this thing come? It's an explosion. Why? Because I've been, because I've been thinking on things that aren't even true. And so we're, we're permitted <laughs> by, by the grace of God and the Spirit of God working within us to think on things that are true. Here's another one. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. You're, you're actually no longer a citizen of this planet. When you got saved, you became a citizen of heaven. That's where your mind needs to be. That's where your thinking needs to be. That's why, so you set it. There, there's, a, there's a stability that comes with that. Last verse For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's actually possible for us to have right kind of thinking. How amazing is that? What a truth that we can hang on to. My time is done here, so I want to leave you with this thought. I want you to think about this. It is not just what we know about God but it's also what we think about God that matters let me just quickly illustrate that I can quote know that God can be trusted because he's a faithful God I can know that but I don't always practice that because I don't always think that when we were coming here we were selling our home In Michigan and the prices for homes are different there than they are for here. I have walked with the Lord while I've been saved now for uh, 52 years and I have been raised in a Christian home that was um, strongly encouraging me to walk with Him. I have had multiple experiences of God's trustworthiness of Him providing for me So I would say to you that I know that he's trustworthy. But guess what? I had to make a choice. I had to decide, am I going to trust you for a home in Virginia? Or am I going to bite my fingernails? Because I'm thinking anxiously, and my settled conclusion of my mind is I'm anxious, and I'm biting my fingernails, wondering where am I going to live? How is this going to work? And we had already come out here once or twice looking for a home and going back empty-handed. And finally, we just said, you know what, Lord? We think you want us out there, so we're going. We don't have a place to live. How's this going to work? Is that stupid or what? That's like me going like, (laughs) I'm stepping off the edge. But wait a minute. If we know God and we know that he's trustworthy, and then we think On things that are true he's trustworthy we're willing to launch out into the deep we're willing to get out of the boat and walk on the water then right that's what we can trust him for so stay with me over the next three weeks we'll be we'll be looking at some of these things and that Paul is praying about and asking God would you work those into my life as well sound like a good plan let's pray about it father thank you so much for giving us the time together to discuss some of these things. Thank you for recording the story of Naaman, an unbeliever, someone who wasn't even trusting you, and yet you wanted to show yourself faithful, that you are who you are, and you have power like that. And in the recording of that uh, um, event, we get one more avenue, one more way of showing us this principle. So, Father, we're asking for an understanding here that you would be teaching us in and helping us to grow in so that it might have uh, long-term implications and impact into our lives. That we're we're dealing with the root of things that you want to reveal to us, not just with the surface of things and what it might appear to be others and content with that. But that we really are, are wrestling with this so that, Father, there's that that transformation that your word talks about by the renewing of our minds. We're excited about this, Lord. We anticipate what you're going to do, and uh, we just can't wait to, to see you do that. So thank you so much for giving us the privilege to spend some time together in your word around this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.